This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly podcast, you will get the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, and baseball from HOL's Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, and Greg Peterson. Now, here's your host, HuskerOnline.com publisher, Sean Callahan. And welcome to the 13th edition of the HuskerOnline.com podcast. We are in the heart of summer football camp season as things are in full throttle for Nebraska. It's week one of three of what's going to be a very eventful June. Uh, but we start the show off today with the Nebraska Shrine Bowl. The game will kick off in Kearney on Saturday. It's a 2 o'clock kickoff. It can be seen on television on NET at 2 p.m. I'll actually be on the sideline call. Uh, Nate Klaus and Robin Washett here with me on the podcast. And what's unique um, about this year's Shrine Bowl is it's the first time since 2011 uh, we've had any scholarship Nebraska players uh, in the game. It's 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 been a rarity to have the Husker player. We've had Iowa players like Drew Ott and Nathan Budgeta and uh, Kansas State guys, Stanford players. But uh, Bo Pelini was not a fan of letting the guys play in the Shrine Bowl and uh, wouldn't let them play the last couple of years. Mike Riley says, you know what, Deshaun Neal, Michael Decker, you can play in the game. And Nate, I think it, it's a good thing for the game. Absolutely, it's a good thing for the game. It, it draws more eyes. Uh, to what is, you know, in essence, I mean, the game is it's, it's more than a game. And it drives more eyes to, to what the Shrine Bowl uh, Shriners are trying to do. But uh, uh, it just makes it more interesting for everybody to pay attention to, um, you know, when those guys are able to, to you know, take part. And, you know, the, the scholarship guys, the walk-on guys are able to take part in the game. What's interesting from just talking to those two guys in particular, uh, you know, earlier this week was, uh, you know, I think it, it means something to them, too, to, to play in this. You know, not only is it, uh, you know, a, a great way to cap off your high school career with, you know, one more week of, of football and, you know, get to play with, you know, some of your, you know, opponents and kids from other classes. But uh, I think a lot of our, a lot of the kids, you know, including Deshaun, uh, they, they, they really kind of appreciate the, the charitable aspect of it and going to the Shriners Hospital and making a difference, you know, getting to meet the kids in the Chicago. And I think that they, they kind of uh, see the benefits, you know, that go beyond football, what this game's all about. Well, and two things I think helped getting those guys to play. Number one, Larry Martin was the head coach for the North team. And that allowed Michael Decker, I think, to be convinced to play. And then, you know, Larry Martin and Jay Ball, the North and the Central coaches are pretty close in the North Omaha area. And Jay Ball's coached the Shrine Bowl before. And he explained to Deshaun what it means. Because a lot of guys, Nate, I don't think they understand what it's all about. I think they just think it's an all-star game. And they don't have any idea. Now, Greg Peterson um, is out on the hospital visit with the South team this week in Chicago. And when they get to go out to that hospital and they see what the game, it's really not the money that specific game raises. It's more the awareness the game raises for what the Shriners do for these kids. Yeah, you, you talk to the, the players uh, in the game, especially after the, the entire week and, Almost each and every one of them will mention the fact that, you know, coming into it, they didn't understand how big, how important this, this event was. Uh, and like you said, they, they thought it was more of a, an all-star game, a chance for them to hang out with their friends, you know, and, and play against, uh, you know, some of their buddies or play with some of their buddies. Uh, but uh, once they finally get there, they go on that hospital visit uh, and they see, you know, what, uh, what's going on at those hospitals and what those kids go through. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty heart touching and, and uh, you know, it changes their, their, uh, their mind frame quite a bit. This will 
be year three of the game in Kearney. Ideally, they'd like to play the game in Memorial Stadium, but uh, the NCAA no longer allows that. Kearney, I think, has been an outstanding host and, and really the only place that's logical maybe other than a Seacrest field in Lincoln, but that doesn't really do much. I don't think you get the same community support. And Carney's pitch, I think, has been, hey, play the game at 2 o'clock. You draw a four-hour circle around Kearney. About anybody in the state can get here within four hours uh, no matter where you're at. So I think the location helps get maybe um, the Western Nebraska people more to the game. Now the Omaha people, we you know how we are, Nate. You're an old Western Nebraska guy. We're a little stuck up in our road trips. We don't like to drive much further well, than an hour. For for people from Omaha, anything west of Lincoln is Western Nebraska. Nebraska. So. <laughs> or you don't call Kearney uh, Central or Western Nebraska. There's no. people that do that, and North Platte's not even considered Western yeah. Nebraska. That's what would you call North Platte? Uh, I would say North Platte is is right on the border of Western Nebraska. North Platte is Central Panhandle? Nebraska. Would you call it Panhandle? North Platte's not in the Panhandle. Or is that just a city guy trying to pretend like he that's, knows? That's a city guy, totally. <laughs> Showing your Omaha yeah. colors here. So. Yeah. You're, you're listening to the uh, HOL podcast. And, you know, one of the things I like to see when is just how much the guys develop in the Shrine Bowl from what we knew about them coming out of high school. And I'll ask both of you guys this. Um, start with you, Nate, uh, as far as a mulligan. If you had a recruiting quote-unquote mulligan who's the guy or two years saying you know what maybe nebraska should have offered this kid that's in the game well i mean right off the top of my head for this year would probably be ryan Aris. i i think that he's a he's a guy that uh you know nebraska flirted around with him a little bit towards the end of of last year's cycle but when you when you look at him uh you look at his frame and look at his athleticism you know he's going to be a guy that i think you know a few years down the road you say boy we would have liked to have and him. And he's from Papillion, La Vista South, uh, signed with South Dakota State, had UNLV, had Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I believe a few others came in on him late. Yeah, a few other teams came in on him late. You know, and you're talking about a guy who's 6'5", 260 pounds, and, you know, uh, runs well, could play tight end, D end. I uh, could do a number of different things, maybe even get him into the program, and he turns into an offensive tackle. Who knows? But he's he's an athlete, uh, big-bodied kid that, that I think is going to do really well at South Dakota State. Lincoln Southeast coach uh, Ryan Gatula is the OC, and they were calling him Ryan Earth <laughs> at practice. How about who, who's your mulligan, Robin? Yeah, my, my easy one is going to be Adam Holtorf. Uh, just looking at him, uh, you know, we were able to go out there and watch the South practice uh, – I mean, he he looks Division One ready right now. He said he's about six four, two eighty five right now, and plans on adding another fifteen pounds to that frame, uh, so he can get up to par with those Kansas State interior linemen. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to translate to a guard, and you know, it's one of those deals. And another one of those Nebraska kids that you just got to wonder what the previous staff was thinking when they just kind of let him kind of just go without an offer, and then he ends up going to another Power Five school. And he he went to camp last year, right, Nate? If I remember right, he was there for. A he day. went to Nebraska's camp. I, I think more than anything, it, it came down to the fact that you know over the last three or four years, Nebraska's recruited guards really well. And Mike Cavanaugh even said that this week we saw him at Husker camps, mm-hmm. and he just made a comment. He's like, "We got to find some tackles." Yeah, they have. I mean, they are loaded at guard. They've got a number of, of really good players on the, the roster. Position. Yeah, on the roster already. So, uh, for interior linemen in last year's class. The you know, 
the numbers there were pretty thin, and and I think Holtorf kind of fell right on that that outer uh, circle of of getting that offer. I don't know that it was necessarily that Nebraska didn't like him. I just think that they picked Michael Decker over him. Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, that's that's how I, I I'll throw one out, two out there. Marquise Lewis, um, I think he's somebody that just brings a, an awareness, a feel for the game. Uh, where he could have helped at Nebraska, and he's got good grades in the classroom, an uh, outstanding student at Omaha North. And then Matt Clark, I, I still think he's somebody, you know, multiple heavyweight state wrestling champion. He's 6'5", close to 6'6", 300 pounds. He's a 4.0 kid. I think you find a way to get him in as a gray shirt at least yeah. um, because you need tackles. You yeah, look I was going to say, there's your tackle. You, you look at 2016 and – they lose six seniors, and he would have been a great gray shirt, I think, where you sit him this year and then let him come in in January of 16. Well, the interesting thing about Clark is, I mean, coming out of Syracuse, and nothing against Syracuse, but coming out of that small town, you know, being being a multi-sport athlete uh, like he has been, you know, get him into a place like Nebraska where he's concentrating only on football, you know, is eating at the training table and going through lifting know, str- every yeah, day, strength conditioning, lifting every day. I mean, that kid is going to, I mean, develop by leaps and bounds. It's, uh, he's going to be a good one. Should be a great game. Uh, six South Dakota State recruits as well. Uh, our friend Dan Jackson, former Omaha Burke offensive coordinator, doing great things at SDSU. It's kind of the the Dan Jackson South Dakota State Shrine Bowl <laughs> on Saturday. He's going to have five guys on the south and uh, one on the north as far as scholarship recruits go. And uh, the two Husker guys, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be out there. I know you guys will both keep keeping tabs as well in Lincoln. It's going to be a great game. It's probably the most exciting roster that they've that they've had in quite a while. So it should be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and again, getting getting some Husker signees in here really adds a different spice to it that this thing was lacking the past few years. I look at next year, guys. I mean, I like Ben Stilley, Noah Fant, um, some of these top players in the state right now. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if they all played. I mean, I think it's gone in that direction now. It's going to just take a couple kids like we've seen to pave the way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mike Riley has blessed it, and that's been important. And I think you'll see a lot of these kids next year play as well. So, so. Uh, looking forward to that kickoff, 2 o'clock in the Nebraska Shrine Bowl on NET uh, for the coverage statewide in high definition. We'll have more on recruiting later on in the show. It's been a busy week with Husker camps. Nate and I will break that down. But Ron Washington will give us an update on Husker basketball next here on the HOL Podcast. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And back here on the HuskerOnline.com podcast, Sean Callahan and Robin Washett now as we shift over from football and recruiting and Shrine Bowl talk here. It's going to be a full show of that today, but uh, still a lot of news, Robin, going on in the world of Husker basketball as uh, we still wait on Nebraska to try to kind of fill those last scholarship numbers. And let's first start with Max Bielfeld, the Michigan graduate transfer announced uh, that he will be going to Indiana, and, and that was kind of not a surprise. I think he was waiting on this Fred Hoiberg news, the Chicago Bulls, uh, Iowa State, and Nebraska were the other two teams, but makes it official that he's going to Indiana. Yeah, like you said, not much of a surprise. I think, uh, you know, I, I know I certainly had the sense that, uh, you know, Indiana would had a slight edge, uh, you know, throughout this process, uh, at least against Nebraska, and 
Uh, obviously, with him waiting on what Fred Hoiberg was going to do, kind of shows that maybe Nebraska may have been in third out of those top three schools. So, uh, yeah, not a big shock, but still certainly a disappointment because you know here we are uh, heading into the month of June, and Nebraska still has an open scholarship and uh, still has a big void in the low post uh, going into the summer. So uh, the search continues to find that big man, and uh, there's still certainly time to find one. I mean, they have all the way up until you know the start of the fall semester to do it but uh time's running out so uh, we'll see if there's another name that surfaces uh, between now and uh, august i mean when does it come time though robin that you know like all right we're not gonna find a guy and maybe we just sit on this we hand it to a walk-on for a year and i'm sure there's a couple guys that are deserving of getting the one-year scholarship when do you kind of go to that point yeah uh, you know i think that eventually you kind of have to make that decision of uh you know how long you're going to let this play out and kind of keep your roster in flux before uh you kind of just accept you know this is what your team is going to be this coming season and i still think it's a little early for that um you know we got the start of the first five week summer sessions coming up here next week Week. And so, uh, you know, that's usually when you want to have a guy uh, picked or have a, have your roster solidified just so kids are in classes. But, uh, you know, you can still go all the way up, you know, until that start of that second five-week session. Uh, the thing about Nebraska's case is you want to ideally have uh, your roster set before the start of that second five-week session because they're making that trip to Spain. And for any player to join the team uh, to go on that trip, you have to have at least six credit hours uh, completed you know, at, at Nebraska. So uh, that's going to be an issue that's going to face Mac, uh, Jack McVeigh, who's playing with the Australian uh, U19 national team uh, at the FIBA World Championships in Greece. Uh, they're, they're, you know, no worries about him getting into Lincoln and getting those six hours. But, you know, if they were to add another guy this late, uh, you know, you're looking at about a five-week window for him to, uh, you know, get get registered and get in classes and do all that stuff uh, to, to make that trip to Spain, which is going to be pretty important. Now, I'm waiting for you to ask me, Robin, uh, about when you get to go to Spain with the team. On yeah, this I, I kind of thought that was implied that, uh, you know, we would just take that out of the travel budget. and uh, We'll cover you <laughs> and your wife and, you know, might as well drop ten grand on that trip. That would it? go over really well. Well, Does Seamus get to go on that deal too? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Seamus, uh, he's uh, when I was asking him about it. Media a while relations back, director Seamus yeah, McKnight. Yeah, Seamus McKnight. He he sent back some emoticons of the Spanish flag, so he's uh, he's all jacked up about this one. We're talking Husker hoops with Robin Washett here on the HuskerOnline.com podcast. And as you look at that spot to get filled, Robin Nebraska hosted another visitor this week, a transfer center from Providence, uh, who would have three years of eligibility remaining. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong on the name here, but Pakel Chuck Wu. Close. Pascal. Pascal yes, Chuck Wu. Pascal Chuck Wu. Yeah, it's big seven foot two. Uh, just the definition of a rim protecting, shot blocking, monster dunking big man that uh, Nebraska fans have been clamoring for for some time now. Uh, he was on campus um, the, the yesterday and, or sorry, Monday and Tuesday. And uh, from all accounts, from what I've heard, the visit went about as well as you could expect. So uh, the, the interesting factor with him now is uh, he was scheduled to to visit Kansas uh, on Wednesday. And, you know, the, the, the turn of events that happened is that uh, Kansas now does not have an open scholarship uh, because, you know, they signed a kid last week and then uh, LeGerald Vick, who was originally a 2016 prospect, reclassified into the 2015 class, leaving them with no available scholarship. So uh, as of this 
podcast taping, uh, Kansas does not have an open scholarship. And so it's really kind of a question of, uh, you know, will Pascal still make that visit to Lawrence? Uh, because, you know, you got to wonder if, you know, maybe Kansas has something in the works with uh, having a guy leave to open up a spot or, you know, some other kind of uh, shuffling the cards around. But uh, as of right now, Nebraska is the only school that has a visit uh, locked in. And then, uh, you know, Michigan State and Virginia are still trying to get uh, involved as well. But, uh, you know, no visit dates are, are set on there. So as you know, at, at this point in time, Nebraska appears to be in the driver's seat. Right, let's talk numbers. Uh, uh, Nebraska obviously has the one available today. They fill that one, let's say. What do they have for 2016? If they fill the open spot for 2015, they will have one available scholarship for 2016. And they can sign how many, counting all the guys they already have committed? They can have 13 guys on scholarship. But how many uh, for 2016 they will they sign? Uh, well, they have Isaiah Roby, who's uh, already verbally committed, and then that open spot for 16. So right now they would have two. So just a class of two. So in some yeah. ways it wouldn't be a bad thing if you had a – because you, you like classes of three if you can, right? Sure, yeah. It helps balance the things out, and that's kind of you know why having a one-year guy would be the you know perfect situation that you you keep that open spot for 2016 while also addressing a need for this you know coming season but uh, as we were talking about earlier time's kind of running out for that to happen today right now the 12 players they have on scholarship give me robin wash at starting five game one against whoever game one's against okay well i think if it were me I would have to go Glenn Watson at point guard, even though he's the true freshman who's never played no, a Benny game. No, Benny Sparker? But no, 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 I don't think so. I like Benny off the bench. I think he's still going to be my sixth man uh, just because I think that's where he thrives. So I got, I got Glenn Watson at the one. I got uh, Andrew White at the two, uh, the Kansas transfer. I got Siobhan Shields. Four-star, four-star. Oh, yes. And then I got uh, Siobhan Shields at the three. And then I got Ed Morrow at the four. Four-star. Yep. And then... It would really be a matchup thing. If I'm going against a big team, i, I got to throw Jacob Hammond out there just because he's really the only size you have. But, uh, again, I, I i don't know. It kind of depends on how those other freshmen plan out, too. I mean, you know, Michael Jacobson could be a guy you could throw in there. Jack McVay could be a guy you throw in there. But uh, I think right now if I'm going to try and match up against Big Ten size, I give the odds or the nod to Hammond and hope that he's uh, made the strength and conditioning gains uh, to be at least a serviceable big man. So it could be an interchangeable fit spot I think so you play small yep. you play big and, yep. and that's kind of we, we've heard Tim Miles talk about playing small and I know that's something that we've talked about on other podcasts and and, and yeah uh, Benny Parker could also continue to run the point you move Glenn Watson who's a scoring point guard so he's capable of playing the two and then you know White Shields Morrow right there I mean that, that could be a very small but uh, offensively potent lineup now, another roster move this week. Nebraska added a walk-on Robin from Minnesota. What do you know? Yeah, Josh Lanassa. He was a guy that uh, his name surfaced uh, maybe about a month ago as, you know, kind of getting some, uh, you know, mid-major interest uh, scholarship offers and also uh, an offer to come to Nebraska as a preferred walk-on. And uh, obviously, uh, he, he took the opportunity to come play for a Big Ten-level school. And, um, you know, obviously, Tim Miles has a lot of connections up in that Minnesota area, so I'm sure that played a factor in that decision. And, uh, you know, we've seen, you know, guys like this uh, come over to, to Lincoln, you know, in the past and for whatever reason hasn't quite worked out. But, um, you know, I was talking with Ryan James, our Minnesota uh, rivals, uh, basketball uh, beat writer up there, and uh, he said he really liked him. He called him the best screener he'd seen in the state of Minnesota. So if nothing else, this guy is going to deliver some uh, bone-crushing screens, screens in practice to get the physicality turned up a few notches. I mean, who are really the last walk-ons that have contributed? Paul Verlander. 
Drake, Drake Rannick. You, you don't really. I almost don't count him. I mean, wasn't he the Division Two National Player of the yeah. Year? So it's hard to call him a true, true walk on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but Verlander would be kind of the last traditional walk on that maybe has contributed at Nebraska. Or Mike Fox. Yeah, Mike Fox played. Yeah, he, look at me. <laughs> delving into my knowledge great. of walk-on basketball. Can you call Verlander a traditional walk-on? I mean, his dad was a faculty member and got a whole bunch of tuition discounts. Was he a scholarship at Virginia Tech? Uh, that's a good question. I don't remember. They'd kill to have Paul Verlander. I'm telling you. Right now, he would be a perfect piece to what they have going right now. That three-point shooter and guy that takes charges. Got to love that. But walk-ons are rare in basketball. You don't see very many true, true through the system, walk-ons emerge. Yeah, certainly not ideal, but when you can get a guy that, you know, for whatever reason can help be a factor on your team, it's uh, just a double bonus. Well, lots of news to follow in basketball. Make sure you stay on HuskerOnline.com or follow Robin on Twitter as well at at Robin Washett. Much more recruiting talk and football next here on the HOL Podcast. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Recruiting in full speed here for Nebraska as they're in what's going to be one of the bigger parts of the year with camps and Big Red weekends um, and a lot of storylines, though, Nate, as we bring Nate Klaus back into the podcast here. Uh, as we talk Husker recruiting storylines from the week, we'll talk more about camps and, and Big Red Weekend as well here in the final segments of the show. But let's first hit on some of the big storylines, Nate, as uh, we look at this week in recruiting for Nebraska. First of all, we'll start off with Noah Fant. Uh, from Omaha South. Uh, we both had a chance to see him this week at the Omaha MG camp, uh, which took place at Bryan High School in South Omaha on, on Tuesday. And uh, Omaha South kind of in a unique situation. They don't have a coach. Um, their numbers are a little light. I mean, uh, so the they, little is an understatement. A little light. <laughs> it's, just, it's unbelievable when you look at the OPS landscape, like between Burke, Bryan, Central, and North, and then the other teams. I mean, it's quite a drop off in the, in the numbers and, 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 and what they have to work with. But right now the best player in OPS and possibly Nebraska is at Omaha South and uh, Noah Fant will not be attending Big Red Weekend. And uh, he's had some conversations he told us with Mike Riley about that already. Yeah, Noah Fant's going to be going to uh, seven on seven, um, an elite seven on seven passing tournament down in Kansas State this weekend, uh, working out with uh, with Steve Warren and the Warren Academy seven on seven team. So uh, is going to miss Big Red Weekend. Um, you know, has been on campus numerous times. You know, he, uh, Mike Riley is personally recruiting him. I think Nebraska is doing everything the right way here. Uh, and, and I think that they're still in a good position with him, but you know, you would like to see, you know, the top player in the state, arguably, uh, at big red weekend this, uh, this weekend. And, um, that is pretty rare when yeah. you think about the history of what is 30 or fourth year, big red weekend. This is going to be the, the fourth year. I, I think I'm getting old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Can't remember all yeah. this stuff, but yeah, with Noah, I think what Nebraska is trying to figure out is, does he want to be a Husker? How important is it to him? Is he, is he more interested in the headlines and playing the process, or is he more focused on let's be a Husker? And I think this next couple of weeks are going to really kind of paint the picture of where things go. I still would be surprised if he doesn't end up at Nebraska. So would I. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. But, uh, you know, it is it is interesting. Um, you know, and, and I don't blame a kid for, for checking out his options and, and things like that. I, 
Um, you know, I would, would never blame a kid for that. But uh, this is kind of a unique situation. You don't see this play out all that often. I, I guess it is becoming more common uh, than it used it's to. kind of follow the leader. Yeah. You know, kids see how other kids do it. Their parents see how other kids are doing it. So they're like, well, that's the way we have to do it now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot different than what it used to be. And Nebraska doesn't have the same in-state clout locally. Even think about the last national championship was almost 20 years ago, and most of these kids uh, weren't even born. And for these kids now, history is Dominican Sue. I mean, mm-hmm. Sue played here eight years ago, and for a lot of these guys, you know, that that's their their uh, historical knowledge of Nebraska football. Well, yeah, I mean, you and I talked about it you, back in when we were growing up, the 90s. Yeah, you know, growing up in Nebraska, kid. We, I mean, we we were able, fortunate enough to experience. People had you the know, Brooke Beringer posters in their yeah. locker and the. Peter I mean, brothers and we experienced the the ultimate you know the the pinnacle of of you know college football uh, when we were growing up so had Nebraska offered us when we were in high school you know it, it probably wouldn't have been <laughs> been much to think about well and there was no way to gauge what other people were doing mm-hmm. and I, I think that that's why you see more guys that want to play the process now one guy locally that is not playing the process is Alec Cromer as of now he mm-hmm. Uh, the Beatrice quarterback, probably the best quarterback in the state right now as far as prospects go, uh, committed to South Dakota State. And our friend Dan Jackson uh, still raking in those guys locally. But Alex still is going to go to camp at Iowa State, uh, I believe Wyoming, Wyoming, and maybe even Kansas State for a seven-on-seven event. Um, so that will be interesting to see. Now, he, he's got a great relationship with SDSU um, and relationships are important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll be curious if uh, Wyoming or someone offers, if that changes for Alec Cromer. I think a, a, an offer like that definitely could change, uh, you know, change his line of thought. Uh, I, I, right now he's solid. Uh, he said that the only reason he's, you know, going to those other camps is because they've already paid for him. Uh, so, so you know, they're going to they're gonna go and, and compete. Uh, but at the same time, I still think, you know, if a Wyoming or an Iowa State comes through the, uh, through with an offer, um, it could make him think twice. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. There's no question that, that he's talented enough to play oh, on that yeah. level. You just I – mean, it's going to take a little bit of work. Uh, he, I mean, he's, he's, got, he's got a ways to go. Um, but, uh, I mean, the raw ability is, is there without question. No doubt. And uh, Nebraska Nate staying busy. In the 500-mile radius, uh, Carlo Kemp, uh, rivals top 250 defensive end out of Colorado, uh, four-star picked up an offer from Nebraska. Not a shocker, uh, more more of a surprise that he doesn't have didn't have an offer maybe earlier. And Carlo Kemp is an interesting prospect because uh, he's he's one of those guys that has completely stayed off the radar. He. Uh, he's not on Twitter. He's not on social media. He he very rarely does interviews. He's he's a guy who you just don't know a whole lot about because he is, stays off the radar. It doesn't doesn't is really. Chungo Candola off yeah. the radar or, or not quite that bad. Pretty pretty close. Um, but he's he's rated as a number one player in the state of Colorado, a rivals two fifty guy. Uh, has you know. 10 or so offers um, so he's approaching the double digit offer uh, but it, it, he's an interesting prospect in the in the term or in the fact that he's uh, kind of a tweener and I think that's what's kind of held up uh, schools like Nebraska from offering he's listed at 6'3 250 pounds but I think he's probably closer to you know maybe 6'2 240 so he's not the, the ideal player at, at a defensive end um, you know and then you have to project it you know is he going to be able to to get big enough to play defensive tackle 
uh, or is he going to be kind of a linebacker? And really, you know, the same – uh, you know, when you when you talk about a kid who, who has, uh, you know, that that kind of dilemma, um, it reminds me of Adrian Claiborne, uh, because when Harrison I, Phillips, even or Harrison Phillips, uh, you know, when I was working at Nebraska with Adrian Claiborne, that was the big question. Uh, is he going to be a D end? Um, you know, the linebackers coach didn't d- thought he was going to be too big uh, eventually to play linebacker. That was correct. Yeah. And, and the D-line coach didn't think he was going to be able to get big enough to play D-line. So uh, there was the big dilemma. But I think that at, at the end of the day, when you, when you watch the film and you see his athletic ability of a kid like Carlo Kemp and, and that's, you know, in the proximity, uh, you have to offer that guy. And he's a guy that it's important to get. Uh, he's a heck of a player. And, and I think it was good for Nebraska to throw their hat in the ring. He's going to be making a decision by the end of the summer. Uh, I think UCLA uh, may be in the mix, uh, maybe leading pretty good right now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And before we go to break, Nate, uh, briefly here, Mike Juarez, number one player in California. Typically, you don't see a guy like this on the board for Nebraska being number one guy in California. Uh, but Nebraska very much in the race with uh, the best player in California right yeah, now. Yeah, very interesting development. Uh, and, and you got to tip your hat to uh, to Trent Bray, who started developing a relationship with Mike Juarez, uh, you know, when he was at Oregon State. Um, you know, he's 6'2", 215-pound, um, you know, newly minted five-star number one player in the state of California. Uh, and he's a guy who's played wide receiver, uh, defensive end, safety, uh, done a little bit of everything, returns kicks even, but would be a fantastic addition to Nebraska's linebacking core. Is going to take a, an official visit to, to Lincoln in the fall. Uh, it would be a huge, huge pull if Nebraska could get him. We'll talk more about Huskers in their camps. They had plenty of camps this week, and they'll continue the camps next week. That's all here next in the HOL podcast. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Husker camps in full swing, and we bring Nate Klaus back on the podcast. Welcome back. Sean Callahan here as we're talking recruiting here to wrap up this show in our final segments in Nebraska. Nate held their first few camps of their new regime under Mike Riley, and it's been a completely different format, and we've both been around and covered Husker camps really as long as anyone started covering them. I think before we were here, I don't think people really covered the camps. And now it's obviously turned into more of a deal where you get more coverage um, of these events and camps. And um, instead of the all-day, overnight-type format, you're seeing Nebraska do more of a a car wash camp where uh, kids come in for literally three hours and they test and they check in and they do some one-on-ones and a few positional drills and get a T-shirt and go home. So it's it's a much quicker evaluation so to speak but what were your thoughts good bad ugly of of these first few camps you've seen well I think the key word was you just said evaluation and you know camps used to be um, you know a, a thing you went to 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 develop as a player but you know now that recruiting has been so sped up I think uh, especially with bigger programs like Nebraska, you know, summer camps are not about teaching fundamentals of football. It's about uh, evaluating prospects. And and I think, uh, I mean, you can learn, you know, skills that will help you, but but uh, at, at Nebraska's level, it's about evaluating prospects. And I think that... Uh, Eyeball test. Yeah. I think that having the one-day camp uh, for $50 
you know, makes it affordable uh, for everybody across the board. It, it makes it um, you have two weeks of one day camps. It makes it so that you can arrange your schedule uh, in a fashion to, to get to campus, go to camp, uh, be seen by the coaches, uh, test out, try to make a name for yourself if you if you're kind of under the radar or if you're on the radar, but maybe, you know, right on the edge of getting an offer, you know, work out with the coaches uh, and maybe gain that offer. So I like the format. I think eventually, you know, this will gain more and more traction. I, I don't know that the, the, the caliber of athlete that we've seen so far is probably where Nebraska wants it to be, but I think it will be there eventually. Yeah, I wonder if it does it make sense to split the linemen and the skills like they did, or do you think they're going to look at that and say, you know what, we can just have them all in one, um, or do you think they get a better evaluation doing it how they've done it the, the first week? I think you're able to get a little bit better evaluation when you when you split things up a little bit like that. Uh, I kind of like the fact that the the linemen are separate uh, from the skill guys, and you know uh, on on the, the Monday's lineman camp, you know you had you know you had thirty or forty offensive linemen over here and thirty or forty defensive linemen over here. You were working out with uh, Kavanaugh and Hughes and um, you know and all the assistant coaches and, and Mike Riley's making the rounds and, and able to really watch guys um you know so when you have a smaller group of of players um split up like that i think it's i think you're able to do a little bit more evaluating a little bit more coaching uh and get to know these players a little bit better and and mike riley is very present at these camps and we've been around other coaches that that haven't been head coaches that have not been present Uh, you know bill callahan would make appearances but he wouldn't stay down there the whole afternoon Mm and bo pelini was the same way he'd come down and you know, check things out, especially if there's a good in-state kid that he was hearing a lot about. Uh, but Pelini typically wouldn't stick around the whole day. Mike Riley was down there. I saw him take cell phone pictures and mm-hmm. meeting with parents, talking with parents. He kind of really knew how to work it a little bit out there. Yeah, it's interesting uh, seeing him out there and, and uh, you know, wearing a big old smile on his face. And, you know, I, I heard him uh, walk up to, to a couple parents uh, and thank them for coming out. And he said, hey, you know, we're trying something new uh, that, that really hasn't been done here. Um, you know, let me know how, what you guys think of it. And I, I, I was astounded it's, it's when, refreshing, I, when I heard that. Um, you know, he's open to, to changing it. And, and I think we will see tweaks to, to how they do things going forward. But, uh, you know, it was uh, very refreshing to see how, how uh, everything's been playing out so far. I think they could go back to maybe one overnight camp. I think there's, there's a, enough people, younger kids, that, that like that format. Um, the the quote-unquote fantasy camper, mm-hmm. the guy that wants to be around it and live it out for a few days. Yep. Um, but there's obviously a market for the one-day camper. Yeah, I mean, there's both. There's two sides to, to, to every coin. And, um, you know, I think that if they can fit it in and, and get the, get that overnight camp in, it might be good, or, or add that youth camp. I know that was a big thing. Uh, they have a youth was, camp. It's going to be two days. So okay. Wednesday, Thursdays. They're doing afternoon youth camps over, and that's a hundred dollars, I believe. But it's two days. Two days, okay. Um, <clears throat> well, I, yeah, I think if you could fit it in to to get an overnight camp in there, uh, it would be it would be all right. But um, you know, especially with the satellite camps uh, that are that are going on right now, you know, when you consider that the coaches have been out on the road since April fifteenth, 
uh, until pretty much the end of May. And then you, you have two weeks of camps on your own campus. And then you've got another week of camps at satellite camps where you're traversing the country again. Uh, you're talking about a long time uh, being out on the road and, and kind of grinding and, and doing uh, doing evaluations. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how they handle that. Talking recruiting and camp with Nate Klaus on the HuskerOnline.com podcast. And a lot of guys, you know, emerged or had moments this week at camp. But I think one player, particularly Nate, might have put himself in a position to get an offer from Nebraska. That's Cam Jurgens, And he's a 2018. This is not a junior to be, senior to be. It's a sophomore to be. But this is one of the more physically gifted kids that we've seen I almost compare it in volleyball when John Cook offered uh, those twins from the Rolfson Rolfson twins as eighth graders going into ninth grade this is a similar type of deal in football and you don't see a kid like Cam Juergens at 6'3 228 state champ in the disc third in the shot farm kid from Pickerel Nebraska right right north of Beatrice I mean just a rare rare find yeah (laughs) I mean, he walked into to camp the other day, and, and we've seen him before. We saw him during the in-state tour, so we kind of knew, you know, we knew what he looked like. But, you know, he walked in amongst all the other campers, um, you know, at the quarterback and skills uh, camp the other day, and uh, he, he looks different from everybody else. And the, the scary thing is he's, you know, he's only a freshman. Just Huge hands. His, yeah, he just finished his freshman year. Um, you know, and for, for a freshman to, to play – Start two ways for on varsity for Beatrice and football and basketball, basketball, and then go out and throw 176 in the disc and win state title and throw 54 seven in the shot uh, and get third. Uh, it was is unreal at and, the A and B level, Nate. I don't know if I can name very many other freshmen that have dominated. Ron Coleman at North was one, you know, state champ mm-hmm. in wrestling and started varsity football with Niles Paul on that team. But you don't see very many freshmen dominate like that. Ever. No. And when he was testing out at, at the camp, after he got done running his 40, the coaches pulled him aside and, and uh, wanted to make sure that they had they they knew his name and and that they that they had his information and everything and uh, he he went out and um, you know performed extremely well uh, and it was very impressive at tight end and uh, following the camp they they invited him back said hey we want you to come back to, to Friday Night Lights and or any of the other camps if if you can make it just come back any day yeah. you want to ever come back <laughs> for the next four years yeah. Uh, so and he's like, okay, it goes home. And then, uh, you know, I think coach Sexton there at Beatrice, uh, let him know, Hey, Nebraska's wanting to talk to you. Um, they let him know. So he called Nebraska. They let him know that he had an invite to uh, big red weekend and that, that, uh, uh, they're going to be having a staff meeting to talk about him a little bit more. So, uh, he's definitely, I think, uh, squarely on the radar and, and could be, you know, one of the earliest offers, uh, that we've seen in quite some time. I'm trying to remember Nate early offers. Ryan Reeves came after his sophomore year, but that's about as early as it gets. I, I don't know. And I think there's another kid in Nebraska, um, at Elkhorn South, uh, Moises, um, Moses Bryant. Moses Bryant, yeah. I think he's in the same category. Yep. I really do. I think if he comes to camp, and I don't know if he is or not. We didn't see him this week. Um, but he's another one that, that could fall in the same category as Cam Jurgens, A.J. Forbes at Bellevue West. I mean, there's mm-hmm. three 2000, and I feel weird talking about freshmen that are going to be yeah. sophomores, but those are three kids that um, 
I think have Nebra- no brainers. Nebraska offers coming down the road someday. They're going to be highly sought after recruits. I mean, there's there's guys. I mean, you can look at a player and say, "Hey, he's got a chance to make it," and then you look at some other players and say, "Okay, that kid's a no brainer." And, and the, the old staff would always say, "Like, can't you guys just get a few no brainers in Nebraska?" <laughs> well, here they are, guys, yeah. and they're not. Sorry, it came a couple years later, but it, it's been rare to see young guys. When we come back, we'll, we'll wrap up the show. Uh, we'll talk Big Red Weekend, as this will be the first Big Red Weekend for Mike Riley and his staff. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment of the podcast here as Nebraska is set to host their first Big Red Weekend under Mike Riley, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as, as we put a close here on on this podcast, Nate. And what do you expect? I mean, we, we don't really know how this Big Red Weekend is going to go as far as format. Will they treat it? like a traditional official visit or unofficial visit um, or will they will they have some bells and whistles I mean we, we've seen the previous staffs do that I mean have everything from a chipping contest to a softball baseball game or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it with the recruits uh, a lot of different things I'll be curious what direction they take this big red weekend I, I see it being more of a laid-back event um, you know uh, definitely a, a you know a an opportunity to to not only allow the kids to become more familiar with the program, more familiar with you know the tradition and the history and the facilities and academics and everything that that Nebraska has to offer, but um, I think more than anything, it'll be more of a laid back opportunity to get to know the coaching staff better, build those relationships, and really, it's always a great opportunity for all of those kids to kind of get to know each other and build those bonds and and uh, become friends and, you know, kind of start throwing around the idea, hey, you know, if you come here and I, and I come here and, and, you know, he comes here and all of a sudden we could be building something pretty cool. And, uh, you know, that's what you always kind of see with these types of weekends. The momentum. The momentum. And um, the, the one thing that we do know is different this year uh, that I really like is how um, Coach Riley is kind of parlaying the Friday night lights more of an elite style camp and, and getting some guys on campus for Friday night for that camp. So you might get an invite from Friday Night Lights to Big Red Weekend? To Big Red, to big, big Red Weekend. and then, But also, you know, some of these higher-profile prospects are camping and staying and going to Big Red Weekend on Saturday. And uh, I really th- – I think that's a great idea. And, and I, like I said earlier, you know, with the – with you know, in the future, I think these camps are going to gain more and more traction. I think that Friday Night Lights will gain more and more traction, which will bleed into Big Red Weekend. They could make it like a reality show, and Mike Riley could be up there and hand out like footballs to the invites and <laughs> <laughs> like the Bachelor or something. They the, end up the, the roses. The possibilities are endless. Too bad the NCAA wouldn't like that very uh, much. I don't think so. All right, well, Nate, when you look at this this first Big Red Weekend uh, coming up Saturday. Who are some of the names to watch, guys that will be there for sure? Maybe the biggest name, uh, you know, that a lot of people are familiar with is, is Keyshawn Johnson Jr. Uh, you know, he's going to be coming up with uh, with his father, Keyshawn Johnson uh, Sr. And uh, this will be the third time that they've been on campus since March. Uh, you know, and, and uh, Key Jr. He's he's a top 100 recruit in the country for 2017. And, 
Um, you know, it has offers from everybody, from Alabama to Ohio State to everybody. But he's been to Lincoln three times since March. It's it's pretty unreal when, when you think about it. And the fact that uh, uh, Keyshawn Johnson and, and his son carry so much clout uh, in, in California and really across the country um, and, and, you know, with their seven-on-seven seven team and everything, you know, if you're able to land a commit from a guy like that, it could really pave the way for a, a very special 2017 class and beyond. Uh, he's going to be coming up. Um, he's going to be coming up with a, a teammate of his, a 2018 prospect uh, that is uh, – I, I think is going to be a big name player, um, you know, a guy who's going to be garnering a lot of stay attention. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. Uh, more to <laughs> For come. Tunnel on talk. That. Um, but uh, there's going to be it's going to be exciting to watch. I think Nebraska is definitely a major major player. You know, a lot of people thought that maybe uh, Keyshawn Johnson was kind of helping Mike Riley out, doing him a favor the first time, but this is serious. Kind of so, like the, uh, Tim miles with that Chicago. Yeah. Uh, kind of went like what uh, Jaleel Okafor came up, uh, <laughs> with the Mac Irvin fire that first year under Tim miles. Jaleel Okafor was never coming here. They just said, we're going to play a pickup game. We're going to beat your team yeah. and we're going to leave. But, uh, but no, this is serious. And, uh, and this could be the making of, of a pretty special 2017 class, I think. Uh, you know, beyond that, um, you know, you, you talk about a, another 2017 prospect, uh, Santino Marshall from Colorado, uh, big big time linebacker prospect, another 500 mile radius guy that is going to be very important for that 2017 class. Um, you know, Tremaine Ankrum is an offensive lineman out of Georgia, uh, who's who's just uh, recently narrowed his list. Um, you know, has offers from pretty much every Power Five con- conference in the country. Uh, could play pretty much any line position across the board. Uh, he's going to be an important prospect. Uh, so it's nice that he's coming in on Friday with his father. Uh, going to be able to uh, to really have a nice visit with with everybody uh, and see everything. And uh, Bo Wilson, uh, another 500 mile radius end up guy. Committed, right. I think so. I mean, if if you're going to tab one of these guys to be on commit watch, I think Bo Wilson very well could be that Kansas guy. City area center prospect. Yeah, out uh, of Lee Summit West. You know uh, the the same the home same sp- of home of Monte Harrison, uh, where uh, folks uh, across Husker Nation had their hearts broken about this time last year, right around the Major League Baseball draft. But uh, come from the same program, uh, very well uh, run program, very well coached kid. Um, so I think he could be a guy that that pulls the trigger as uh, a you know a great player. So um, and there's a handful of other guys that are that are going to be making it. Um, you know. Uh, this weekend and uh, and beyond, so uh, uh, it, it's just going to be fun to see you know exactly how everything unfolds and who makes it on campus. Yeah, I'm looking forward to just to seeing how it plays out. They'll have two of these, right, Nate? Mm-hmm. So they'll have this one and next Saturday. And like Mike Riley said, they're going to tinker things after year one. So they're they're going to see how this format of two weeks of camp, satellite camps, bigger at weekends, how all of it goes, and then they're going to sit down and say. What worked? What didn't work? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and what we've seen so far, I, I think, has been pretty encouraging. Uh, you know, when you look back to to uh, the way they've handled all the unofficial visits during the spring, uh, the junior day. Um, you know, this isn't their their first rodeo. They they've had some time to 
kind of figure out, hey, this works when we get a kid on campus, and maybe this doesn't work so much when we get a kid on campus. And uh, what what I think is really benefiting the staff now is that, uh, you know, I think they've been learning uh, more and more about Nebraska each time they get a kid on campus. So uh, by now, I, they know the ins and outs. Uh, they know the history. They know the tradition. They know everything that there is to sell about Nebraska right now, and, and that's highly important. Well, that wraps it up here for another edition of the HOL Podcast. Make sure you stay with HuskerOnline.com as well, full coverage from Saturday's Big Red Weekend and much more in recruiting as uh, we continue summer camp season. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 